You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Oh, Ophelia, you've been on my mind, girl, since the flood. Oh, Ophelia, heaven help a fool who falls in love. Oh, hey, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. On this episode, we'll be talking about the Lumineers, whose second album just came out this month, and it's called Cleopatra. single called Ophelia, and it has nice piano in it. Do you guys have nice things to say about this album? <laughs> Actually, I enjoyed it surprisingly. Like, generally, I'm not too into this, the Americana type of thing. Just like, I mean, it's an aesthetic that doesn't particularly appeal to me. I'm more into, like, the vaporwave school of aesthetics. But, like, oh no. And yeah. there's so much of it around now that it's like, I just can't get away from all the folkiness. Well... I think this album definitely did succeed in their goals, um, because it, it does fit well with the first album, um, and I, I, I too like Ophelia, uh, and I think that's right up there with Hohe for me. So, What do you mean by their goals? What do you think those are? I think uh, the Lumineers are, are just good to have as like an atmospheric uh, sound and I think the piano on this new album Cleopatra uh, really fit well with that. I would recommend this album to anyone who curates playlists for Starbucks. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's definitely good background noise. Yeah, I really liked how the the last four songs were like really atmospheric. It ends with just this piano instrumental. And I was into that, because I feel like the songs on the first half of the album were a lot more kind of dramatic, especially Sleep on the Floor, with like a very, this very, very slow, dramatic sort of build, and like, you know, all these named drops, Ophelia, Cleopatra, there's obviously like a lot of drama going on to here. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, it's like, oh, it just kind of fades in the, word, kind of fades in the background, it's more just kind of, uh, you know, nice piano jaunts. And I liked that. It was not they didn't try to be anthemic, like, you know, festival sing-along, which I yeah. feel like a lot of this music does. Like, it was minimal, it was simple, like, workman-like. I enjoyed that. I mean, they definitely got the anthemic thing down with Hohe. That'll be forever um, played in certain spheres of our culture. Yeah, and, I, I, like, I really do applaud their commitment to staying similar with the first album. Uh, normally, with the second album, uh, people would judge it much harsher, uh, in the sense that Ho oh, Hey was played everywhere, and so now everybody's waiting for this next album. And uh, counter to what Mumford and Sons did, where their next album was more electric y, so they tried to change it, this one stuck with what they knew, and I think that worked out well for them. I know there was a yes. thing about Mumford and Sons where like somebody made like a word cloud of all their lyrics, and the two biggest words were head and heart, and it's like they say something like head or heart. They so use those they do, words yeah. in the. Like every song they do. 
I wonder if Illumineers has a similar fixation on certain monosyllabic body parts. Maybe we should have done more research on that. There was like definitely a lot of... I mean, he says... One of the things I noticed is he says the names of people a lot, which I thought was really interesting. Like, There's three songs here that are like named after individuals. Right. The album. Yeah. Is that including Gale's song? Mm, I think he's maybe just talking about a storm. I don't know. Um, fun fact you guys might not have known, but that was on the Hunger Games Catching Fire soundtrack. Hmm. Wait, there's totally a character named Gale in that movie. Oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah, isn't okay. he Katniss's friend from District 12 that isn't PETA? Yeah, yeah. It's the other guy. That was specific. Oh, okay. Her hunting partner, that guy. Was there also, like, a romantic sort of tension between uh, Gale and Katniss? I think yeah. there was. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. He's the one, like, fighting Peta for her affection. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yes. Yes, I have four songs named after people. That's fine. Yeah. Another, I don't know. It was surprising to me when I first got this album or when it showed up in the newsroom... Like, here's the Lumineers, this Americana band. But, like, here's this lady in Egyptian regalia on the cover. And I thought that was really interesting. And, like, I think it kind of, like, reflects what's going on here a little bit. Because the thing I liked about this album is it didn't rely too much on rootsy cliches about, you know, yeah. packing your bags and, you know, mm-hmm. rambling and Rio Grande and all that. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a reference to a flood and, you know, some stuff about traveling. The most part, I don't think they're really pushing, like, you know, the, the war rootsy, you know. They're not really pushing the aesthetic. Like, they're more committed to the sound, which, I mean, I think that's admirable. Like, they can stand on their own without having to rely on a bunch of aesthetics. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember when the first Lumineers album came out, I just wasn't a fan. I didn't like yeah. the singles and kind of just immediately dismissed it. But I actually did enjoy this album a lot more than I thought. It was much better than I expected it to be. Right, so. I agree with you. The first album kind of blended together to me, and I didn't really know the individual songs. But on this one, I feel like it stands out more. I just saw them as like another lower-tier Mumford & Sons, which isn't a compliment in any way. But no, I, I enjoyed this album a lot more than I thought it would. Sure. So. Yeah. It's short, too, which, I mean, I love short albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like 34 minutes. The first one was 43, so... Also, they're not trying too hard to make hits, maybe. Like, there's not really one of them, like Ophelia. I felt like none of these were like, you know, yeah, this is the single. Like, right, yeah. It's like a very low-key kind of album, I feel. Just, it's, a, it's just like a second Lumineers album, you know, nothing more ambitious than that, which... Right. Yeah, I admire that. Was this album promoted very much? Because I don't remember seeing many advertisements for it. Do you guys? I also no. don't remember anything about this. Yeah. I didn't I, know that it came out. Yeah, so it's kind of just standing on its own, which I respect. So. Yeah, and it has gotten traction. I've heard of people talking about Ophelia um, earlier. Uh, I think my whole household had that song stuck in their head, actually, one day. So it's definitely going around. So let's go around the table. Uh, final thoughts on this new album. I thought that it was enjoyable. It was nice to listen to and just relax to and have it in the background. Um, nothing significant, but it's definitely uh, fits with Lumineers' um, progress. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I um, I think I this this conversation did change my perspective on the album a little bit. Um, I definitely. It, it was not quite as um, objectionable as I thought it was going to be, because it is 
quite pleasant to have on. Um, it's not an album I think I'll seek out in the future or actively want to listen to again, but I will say this isn't like resting on laurels of, like Daniel, you were saying, of like anthemic singles that they've made in the past, but it's B+. Plus. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, this really, I mean, this kind of Americana type thing really isn't my thing, especially the more contemporary post-Mumford type deal. But this, I think it was great. It didn't lean too heavily on aesthetics. Um, probably not something I'll go back to regularly, but like as far as like the new indie folk movement, I think this is pretty exemplary. What do you think, Craig? I enjoyed it. I haven't listened to it too much yet. I've only had a chance to listen to it a few times through, but uh, I did like it. But I think the reason I haven't listened to it much is because Prince died this week, so I've been jumping back into his catalog. So that was a lot of time for me because Prince is someone I didn't know too well. Right. You know, I'm familiar with him, but then it was all of a sudden like, oh wow, he's gone, and I didn't spend enough time with his music while he was here. So I'm I'm definitely familiar with like. Uh, the iconicness behind him. Exactly. Everyone um, knows Prince. But, right. Yeah. And I, I think I respect him for all of that. Um, and yeah, he, he did, he died young in my perspective. And uh, I'm somewhat regretful that I didn't like follow more of his music. But I think that's what happens with every uh, death of a huge uh, movie star or the singer songwriter. Uh, more people learn about them and start listening to their stuff and actually uh, getting deep into it. And I think that's a beautiful thing that came out of it. Yeah, I um, I will say that it's hard to name another musician who has such a daunting catalog of stuff that was produced over their career. Um, and not to mention it's been interesting as far as this sort of posthumous coverage that you can you can get after a celebrity dies and some stuff you read online because Prince worked very very hard to scrub away any existence of his music on Spotify or streaming services and took a lot of legal actions against people who posted music on YouTube and stuff like that. Did you guys see the Lost Rolling Stone article they released about Prince? There's an interview with him where he said he's hiding like most of his best music because. He said he'd record things and then release some of it, but usually he kept the best stuff for himself. Well, so it sound, and he said there are not a vault, but there are vaults of lost stuff. So I think there will probably continue to be Prince music released for the next probably few decades. That's so pretty, that's that's pretty interesting. How like he didn't want to produce that. Well, there, you know, there are people who say, I do what I want. He was one. Who right. And I think, I think that do. says a lot about him. You know, he wasn't quite in it for uh, the fame, you know, being recognized so much uh, as he just liked doing what he did. And I think that's uh, really awesome. I'm hoping we finally see a release of the Black Album, his legendary 1987 unreleased album which I've heard to, like, questionably legally, and it's great. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah, and I've also obtained it from one of the two of you. 
Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. What? <laughs> Just kidding. None of us have any prints. <laughs> we all bought it legally. So do, do you know the story of why that album wasn't released? Because I've heard he took a bad acid trip and had like a premonition like this album cannot be seen. Is that what you've heard? I believe it was Ecstasy, but yeah, that's the okay. story. Okay. I think it was actually God who came down and was like, yeah, Prince, this album's evil. So he put out Love Sexy, which is good, but it's not. People are not ready to hear Super Califragosexy, <laughs> which might be the greatest. Be ready. That, that might be the greatest song title ever. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, a lot of stuff like has popped up on internet over the last like few days. Um, and one thing I never really thought about was his self-awareness as a full celebrity so that he uses to it as his advantage. Like I know, um, and I'm talking like outside of, um, music, I'm talking about like how he made like a cameo on new girl and stuff. And he was just like banking off, like just his stature as a celebrity to be someone who freaks out. Yeah. He's an character. yeah. Um, there's also some, like, the the whole Dave Chappelle was on the cover of Breakfast Can Wait. Uh, that was really funny. Uh, and what was I just going to say? Oh, um, you guys might know what I'm talking about, but I don't know the name. He was, Prince made a, some cameo appearance on the last day of some TV anchor's show. And the guy, the anchor, like, didn't know. And so Prince just comes out and, like, shakes his hand. But he, like, is just making a straight face with, like, a camera. And he's just, like, just, like glaring into a camera as he's like shaking this guy's hand and he, he's just like he had really like really funny like comedic timing and he was just like very funny i think the favorite print story i've heard is from the replacements book trouble boys which came out a few months ago um because they were another minneapolis band they were a punk band and paul westberg the singer had a story where he went to the bathroom one time and i think first avenue which is the legendary club in purple rain and he said he went up to the urinal and Prince was right next to him. He's like, whoa, hey, dude, what's up? And Prince just looks at him and goes, life, and walks away. <laughs> it's like, he was the same guy on and off the stage, which I love. You know the Finding Nemo story? Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. Just for the unaware, so Quest Love of the Roots played a DJ gig at some party that Prince was hosting, and... I don't remember how this came to be, but eventually Prince was like, yeah, get off the stage. And then he just started, he just put Finding Nemo on. <laughs> and for the rest of the night, <coughs> Prince just had Finding Nemo going in the club with the <laughs> DJ. And just looking around like, what the fuck? Yeah. Pretty sure he also read from the Bible, like, after hours at some club. Tell Corley <laughs> tweeted about this. He was like, hey, like, we were in a club in Minneapolis, and then, like, it shut down, and he kicked everyone out except me and a bunch of women, and then he started reading from the Bible at, <laughs> like, 3 a.m. Do you guys have, like, a singular favorite song of Prince's? If I was your girlfriend. I'm really partial to Lady Cab Driver, I think. Mm, it's up there. I, I gotta go with Let's Go Crazy. That's my favorite. I agree with Lady Cab Driver. It's a banger. Um, I will say that as someone who really had, like, the Black Album... And then a few tracks from, you know, various accumulation moments. Um, it's it's not sufficient. Like, I, I just feel like I want an entire catalog in front of me just to comb through. But I'm not trying to make a point here. <laughs>
I'm just moping. <laughs> well, that's it. That's our Lumineer show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good one. Prince lives. Purple rain.